Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah, it's going to be pretty much opposite of what we just um, did with Stafford. Um, definitely could hold it a little bit, and uh, we just have to keep him in the pocket. Uh, he's going to try and get out any chance he gets. So, um, yeah, just trying to close it in on him, be good in our rush lanes, and we could have a good day. Yeah, no, because, yeah, I've, I've never played Daniel Jones. Uh, no, that's not true. I played Daniel Jones in 2021. Yeah, over there. Yeah, yeah, we did play them. Yeah. Oh, he didn't make a good impression, obviously. <laughs> no, he's really good. Um, I feel like they got a lot of really good players on the offense, too. A couple of the guys playing for the 49ers as they get ready tonight to host Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. It's a Thursday edition of PFT Live. Week three is upon us. Nick Bosa's hair was looking pretty good. Kind of reminded me of... John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. It was we something had that like tuft. that. It was you know, something. That, tuft, I know. that was pretty good. I was trying to think of like what was he there? He looked like he was, you know, like, you know, almost Goodfellas mafia guy with like the jumpsuit on and the chain, you know, Nicky Muscles over there. Nicky <laughs> Nicky the hitman over there. But that, that that was a pretty good look. I like it. <laughs> yeah. That 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 look and that name never would suggest mob or mafia or <laughs> yeah, anything right. like that right. it, it would never it would never 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 speak that uh possibility to anyone so yeah i like that though i like that to get the hair to do that not easy as john travolta demonstrated right. you, you'll like this story just because it, it, it popped in place, to my right. head here just a little bit mike <laughs> but like you know back in the day I used to be a little bit with the guy, Bo Deedle, right? Do you know who Bo Deedle is by any chance? I think you yes. know exactly, right? So every Bo now... Deedle. Bo Deedle. Bo Deedle. Yeah, set it Bo up. Bo Deedle is the guy who sticks the gun in Henry Hill's face right. at the end of Goodfellas. Exactly right, right. So Bo Deedle has a table at Rayo's, 
And we would, you know, maybe once a year for a time period, go there. He would, in, you know, invite the Sims family and we'd, we'd join him and have a good night. And there would always be a few cast of characters around. And just on the name Nick, there was a guy there that was Nicky Tomatoes. That's what they called him, Nicky Tomatoes. And, and I was always like, why do they call him Nicky Tomatoes? Is because they were like, because all the produce on the island of Manhattan if Nicky Tomatoes doesn't doesn't okay it, it doesn't get on the island, right? So that was his nickname there, and uh, just was was funny to you know kind of see somebody like that in live in person, you know, for for you know once in your life. Well, the process of coming up with nicknames for the Italian oh, it's so good. figures who may or may not be connected. Right. It's an art form, and one thing I learned recently, you brought me down this path, so I'm going to continue to walk Go that ahead. way. Within the past few months, a guy who was a friend of my dad's who died in 1998, my dad, not the guy, the guy reached out to me and contacted me. And I, my first thought was, D- did my dad owe somebody money that I don't know about? <laughs> am, I getting, am I getting pinched You're gonna get for a down. couple of dimes yeah, here? Right. What is this? But, it, but he just wanted to talk. He just wanted to talk and reminisce about my dad. And I learned some stuff that I didn't know because – you know, a friend has different conversations with someone than the child would. One thing I learned about my dad is he had a very good knack for coming up with these creative nicknames that would perfectly capture the essence right. of the, the person who was getting the nickname. So that was one of my dad's skills. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I mean, 58 years, I had no idea. And, and that was one of the highlights of that conversation. So, yeah, that's funny. Uh, it, it, it's definitely a I thing. I got to step up my nickname game. Yeah, you definitely do. You got to follow in your dad's footsteps there a little bit. But it definitely is a thing where in North Jersey, like, you know, my friends was, you know, oh, it's Johnny Tough Guy. It's Nicky Muscles. You know, it was always something like that because it's a little bit part of the culture. So that's where uh, Nick Bosa brought me back to those days right there. And the names sometimes are ridiculously obvious. I'll just give you a taste without naming names because I don't want to get myself in any more trouble than I've already gotten myself by writing a book that is completely fictional about the mob that had infiltrated the small town I grew up in. And my dad was a bookie that was connected to that mob. I've told that story before. And my wife is very nervous that I'm going to get whacked at some point. But, But the boss of the crew there, And again, I will mention no names, but the boss of the crew there in 1964 was the target of an assassination attempt. They put a bomb in his car. He lived, but both of his legs were blown off. Wow. So his nickname from that point forward was, was no legs. I mean, that's, that's so obvious. I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious and creative, but sometimes it's just perfect. So Chris... From now on, I will call you Big Head. Okay, all uh, right. Since that uh, that is obvious and not very creative. So, uh, 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 yeah. and welcome, Big Head. I'm glad I'm glad you made it in today. You were sick, and I got to say thank you to Miles Simmons, who was ready to go. He was ready to go from the bullpen. 3:50 a.m. Pacific time. He got the call that Chris was good to go. So I'm glad you're recovered. I'm glad you're healthy and. Thanks to Miles for being ready to go. Yeah, seriously. Very early in the morning. Yeah. Out in uh, wherever, Santa Monica, West Hollywood, wherever he lives. Yeah, no, yeah, he's uh he's a, a team player for sure. I, I appreciate him standing by. Yeah, I mean I feel better. I don't feel great. Uh, but it's it's a big day and I kinda wanna push through here. I know I got tomorrow off and Saturday off to hopefully totally recuperate here. But I'm gonna work on my nickname for you. 
you know, uh, Pete got in my ear. He said, Mikey the snark. You know, Mikey conspiracy. You know, don't I'll think, I know. We'll no, think, I'm going to think of something creative, though. Pete's not supposed to be talking to us during the show. I don't know how many different <laughs> ways we can say it. Uh, He's supposed to let us do the talk. Yeah, there you go, right? though. Mikey the right? Stark. There you go. Hey, oh, I don't know. You're kind of proving it. <laughs> <laughs> how right. about Pete shut the F up, Demolitis? Okay, I like that. that. I right. can work uh, that. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, okay. Anything else? We haven't. We haven't burned through the first 10 minutes yet anything else on now uh, i got my and it's last funny you said yeah it's funny you said i feel better but not great i feel like that is how we're both going to feel from now until the end of the season because i've kind of slipped into regular season mode where it's like you're always a little tired you're always a little stressed you're always thinking about all the things you should be doing, the things you forgot to do, yeah. the things you still need to do. When am I going to find five or ten minutes to do that thing that I need to do that I don't have time to do? That's our life. And I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. But that is the big transition from not football season, regular season football season, to regular season. And it lasts wow. until the regular season ends. The clouds part when the postseason arrives because there's less football to – process there's yeah, less news right. going on right but from week one through week 18 i mean it's it's non-stop and you never completely feel rested you never completely feel calm because there's always something you need to be thinking about even when you catch up if you ever feel like you catch up there's still something else that you got to worry about yeah. because there's always something new no, and always I, something else. I that think we that's what did about. me and Mike is just, you know, that. And then, of course, announcing two college football games over the last, you know, two out of the last three weeks. It just kind of wore me out and I think came to an end here. Just came to a head, I should say, of just like, yeah, like you're saying, you're worn out from the schedule as it is already trying to stay on top of everything and then traveling, doing all that stuff stressing about the game you know me as an announcer that's not something I'm like totally comfortable doing right you know I haven't done that many games so it's, it's something that I worry about I probably over prepare for I stress about and that's probably what led me to you know being a little under the weather here well two things first I know the travel can be very demanding when you live 10 minutes from the studio every day. I'm, I know that that really drags you down on a normal football Sunday. I, I, I feel for you there. Second, second, I'm going to say this to the world. I texted you about it. My good friend Dave Softy Mahler, one of the Drive Time hosts. I think it's Drive Time. I don't know. It's three hours behind. At, w, uh, I did not, at KJR in Seattle. I was on with him yesterday as I am every Wednesday uh, afternoon, early evening, and, and he had high praise for your work on the Washington-Michigan State game because they're all Washington and Michael Penix Jr. And yeah. I thought he was, like, trying to set me up for some bit or something, and, 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 and no, he was genuinely impressed and, and effusive about your Thanks. efforts on no, Saturday. No, I appreciate so you passing that you along. That it's always for. nice to hear. It really is. Like I said, it's not something that I – you know, I'm totally comfortable in yet, but but do like doing it. It is fun. And, uh, yeah, Michael Penix Jr., you know, we'll be talking about him a lot in the spring for sure. I mean, he's going to be a top 10 pick. For, uh, I, I would be shocked. He'd have to do something drastically horrible here. He's going to be a top 10 pick. He's, if not a top five pick, really, I think that's what it'll come down to. Top three pick. It's it's going to be in that that type of range. Damn! Why don't you just make him the first overall pick? Well, I mean, you're Caleb him Williams, higher and higher Caleb Williams, the last twenty seconds, top ten, top. You know, five. well, I don't know the whole scope of the rest of the class, right? But yeah, I don't know why I was saying top ten. He's a phenomenal quarterback, and him and Caleb Williams, for my money, are the two best ones out there. So yeah, you're right. I, I should just say top three, top four pick for sure. 
I, I'm all in with Deion Sanders as the head coach at Colorado. And Shereen and I talked yesterday about NFL prospects. And I think she and I both agree that at some point he'll end up with just one of the top cream of the crop college football programs and he'll get every player that he wants. But yeah. apparently he was saying in an interview yesterday that his son Shadur is likely to come back to Colorado next year because he doesn't want to be second fiddle to Caleb Williams if Williams is the first pick in the draft. So Shadur would come back for a year so he could be the first pick the next year. I'm not sure I understand that logic, right? No. But, hey, that's fine if that's what you're going to do. And it's good for Colorado to the extent that they can keep Dion there for another year. I don't know if he's one and done in Boulder or not. The 60 Minutes profile from Sunday night, the big takeaway I got is he's got the force of personality. He's got the charisma to justify anything he wants to do. Whatever he wants to do, he'll have a reason for it that sounds pretty damn good. God relocated me. My work here was finished. And it could be only one year at Colorado, depending upon who comes calling. But maybe it'll be two. Maybe that's the sign that it'll be two, because if Shadur is going to come back for another year, probably makes sense to stay where he's already comfortable. Yeah, that's to right. Uproot and get back into the transfer portal. Yeah, that's probably music to their ears, really. The fact that he would come back, that would solidify Dion coming back for sure, too. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that logic about being second fiddle. So what? You know, if he can come out and you can be a top five pick or top eight, top ten pick, I, you know, I'm one that just you, – you go. You go. You may, There's only so, you know, so long you got of a chance to, to strike in this career. And so what if you're second fiddle in the draft? You get on a team, maybe you'll be on even a better football team because you're the sixth pick of the draft. And then you, you know, prove on the field that you're not second fiddle. But uh, it, it, it's amazing what the Sanders are doing. And, and really, Deion Sanders has – has always been one of my favorite athletes. It's why I wore number two. It was him and Derek Jeter. I mean, that, that was the reason I did it. He's like, to me, one of the greatest humans ever to walk earth. That's how I feel about Deion Sanders, honestly. I mean, as a player, a motivator, he was awesome on TV. I used to love his highlight show on NFL Network. Now he goes to college football and, and takes over the landscape. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I, I would never doubt Deion in anything he can do. Biggest story in all of football. Tremendous ratings on Saturday night for a game that lasted until 2.30 in the morning East Coast time. Yeah. If he goes to one of the major programs, the ratings for those games will rival NFL games, which I continue to believe is one of the reasons why one of these owners should just say, how much do you want? You want $50 million a year to come coach the team? There's no salary cap for coaches. Let's do it. Let's, let's get him here instead of, Alabama or Florida State or wherever. And I mentioned Alabama. I went back and rewatched the profile yesterday as I was writing something because I wanted to get his quotes right. A couple of his quotes that I included in a story I wrote yesterday. He was asked who the best football coach is in college football currently. And his initial response was, do you really think I would say anyone other than me? But then he paused and really, really heaped a ton of praise on Nick Saban. And it occurred to me, Maybe that's where he goes. Saban's 71. I don't know how long Saban's going to keep doing it. Yeah, right. But if he would have if, – if, if Saban could be like the emeritus coach and Dion would welcome him and keep him around, not have that attitude of you're you – know, no, Yeah, right. Have, Dion wouldn't be threatened. I don't think he would. He's Dion, so right. he could handle that. Right. De- Dion, yeah. Dion basically genuflected at the altar of Nick Saban. 
in this comment to John Wertheim of 60 Minutes. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he's grateful for any moment he has to, to pick up some of Nick Saban's wisdom, and he's forgotten more than Dion will ever know. And, and it just it dawned on me, Alabama could be the play if Nick Saban is getting close to the end of the road at 71. And I don't know how long he plans to keep going, but that would be a hell of a baton pass yeah, it would from be Nick Saban to Deion Sanders with Saban still around and Saban still involved and Saban with some sort of a role where you've got both guys involved in the process of crafting the Crimson Tide. Anyway, it just it, it was it was well, they do those half commercials together, right? So they obviously have that, a relationship that's part and of stuff it. that too there. Yeah. So yeah, I'd be interesting to see where it goes. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, let's That's talk. That's what let's, he specifically oh, referred to. Sorry, he's sorry. grateful. He's, let me finish. He's grateful for the time every time he has a chance to be around. And that's, it, was just, it just felt like something more than perfunctory praise. It, right. felt, it, it just made me think it's something to keep an eye on. All right, here we go. Thursday Night Football, week three, New York Giants, one and one, somehow pulling the rabbit out of their butts against the Arizona Cardinals, taking on the San Francisco 49ers who obliterated the Steelers week one and would have covered the spread against the Rams, but for Sean McVay's still inexplicable decision to kick a field goal down 10 with four seconds left in the game. This, Chris, was just for you. I wrote this the other night when I saw the quotes in the Kyle Shanahan Tuesday press conference transcript. One of the points you have made many times about short week football, not related to injuries, but related to preparation of the teams. Here is Shanahan answering the question of whether he feels really rushed the week of a Thursday night game. Yes. Um, it, uh, you feel extremely rushed. Um, you know, I, I saw the players a few hours ago, and it was the first time I saw them. I told them it was Wednesday morning, and um, by – our, the end of our first meeting it was Thursday. That's kind of how we explained it. And tomorrow morning is Friday, um, but by ten o'clock it's the day before the game. Um, so it's weird. Um, we, we're throwing four days into two days as coach and staff. We throw two days into one day. Um, so it's kind of a uh, loss for words when I can't swear up here. Um, it's it's a something show um, as as we do it, but then. 
it's about retaining it when it slows down. Like we got to put them all through it, the players, and we just throw it all at them. We go out and walk through it twice. We go watch it. It's just, and then it'll slow down at night when they leave, but that's usually about sleeping and catching up. And then tomorrow, kind of when you get to the hotel, it's like, all right, now it's, now it's normal. <laughs> it's a something show. Gee, I don't know what word. He <laughs> yeah, said that's good. He wants to swear he to explain said. his point, but he can't talk the way he normally talks when he's in that setting. So. <laughs> But, but that's – look, the NFL continues to justify short week football by saying the injury rate on Sunday is no different than the injury rate on Thursday, which is just one little sliver of the story. Some guys who get injured on Sunday can't play on Thursday, and they would have been able to play on Sunday. That never gets acknowledged by the league. And this idea that you are taking six days of preparation, what would have been Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and condensing it to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, of course that's going to potentially affect the quality of the game. Now, there's no strategic advantage because both teams have to deal with it, but you definitely get yourself in a position where the teams aren't as prepared and there's more of a seat-of-the-pants quality to the way the game unfolds. Now, I remember one extremely entertaining early season Thursday night game between the Rams and the 49ers five, six, seven years ago, early, early in the McVay Shanahan rivalry. That was like 35, 32 back and forth. Remember that one? Yeah. Very exciting game between a couple of teams. that I don't think either one made the playoffs. No, I don't year. think they did that year, but right. it was a great Thursday night game. Right. So we can still get great football on yeah. Thursday night, but but the teams clearly aren't as prepared as they would like to be, as they usually are, and that was the gist of what Shanahan said. Yeah, that, and, and I honestly, you know, to, to, to go off on that a little bit, I think it the short week hurts people like Shanahan more than maybe some of the other coaches in football. I mean, let, let's be honest. We know he's one of the most creative coaches in football. He's the best offensive coordinator in the NFL. There's nobody that's more creative than Shanahan. I mean, I have people all the time text me, oh, man, we're going we're gonna to play your buddy this week. Holy cow, his offense. Holy cow, I can't believe all the stuff they do. Holy cow, all the, you know, all the formations and shifts. He's on another level, right? So this is taking a huge part of it is a little bit of a schematical advantage when it comes to a guy like Shanahan because the Giants and Wink Martindale – are like you're saying, they're going to catch Shanahan on three less days for him to stew and think and go, oh, wait, let me tinker with this play. Ooh, I found something on a Friday morning here on film a little bit that, ooh, I can maybe add this little package to the game plan. That's where it hurts people like Shanahan. Now, Dayball is really creative on that side of the ball, too, not not as much as Shanahan, so it hurts him. I, 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 but, but, yeah, that's where – you know, you lose a little pizzazz or sizzle on Thursday night. But still, I'm still glad we have Thursday night. I'm excited to watch it. I just wish they could find a different formula to where it wasn't, a you know, four days. That, that's what we've argued, right? I wish that they could find some way to, you know, whether they just a little more time for these guys, the players, the coaches, everybody. And I think it would be a better product on the field, but that's easier said than done. I know that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a real thing and it's exhausting for these coaches through this little three day stretch of them trying to pile it all together in, in such a short time. Within 15 minutes after posting the story on Tuesday night with the Shanahan quotes, another head coach reached out with an idea 
with a formula that I haven't had a chance to really sit down and study. But th- there is a way to do it. If you can sacrifice some early season short week games, there's a way to, to give teams basically one and a half buys. Right. To give right. them their normal bye week, to give them the Sunday off before they play on Thursday. And then maybe later in the year, you can play Tuesday and Wednesday. It's conducive to working that in. I, that, so we kind of said that, right? Sit down and kind of write it all up. Yeah, we said it. We said it last year. It comes up right. at least once a year. Last year it came up because Tua Tagovailoa had the Week Three non-concussion concussion against the Bills, right. and then the Thursday night real concussion stretcher to the hospital in Cincinnati, and that sparked the usually once per year. What can we do to get these guys more rest between games? And that's out there. And I think there's a lot of people that would like to do that. The league wants to keep it the way it is. The league wants to start short week football the first week of the season. So there, there's a lot of tension there. And, and we saw what happened with late season flexing. I mean, think about this, Chris. You can plan for your one short week game per year. Like even though Kyle Shanahan is in the midst of a something show this week where the clock is accelerated and, and, and Tuesday is Wednesday and Wednesday is Saturday and it's just weird. He, he got it early. He could get ahead of some of the stuff. Agreed. And put some of the hay in the barn because he knew. He knew as of May. He knew what this was. Yeah, yeah. But now we've got this possibility that you're going to find out with not a whole lot of notice that you've got another – Sunday to Thursday turnaround that you weren't even aware of that wasn't even on the radar screen because the Thursday night game that was coming up week 15 it would be a something show so they want to flip it out for another one so here you are minding your own business thinking that you're playing week 15 on Sunday and you find out oh no oh no you have another three days instead of six days turnaround that that's one of the reasons why I don't like the late season flexing but it's all about boosting the TV audiences and giving all of us better games to watch. They don't care about the quality of the game in the abstract. They just assume you put the players out there and it will settle into a football game that is fun to watch, even if the teams aren't as prepared as they would have been. No, you're right. I mean, it it, it still is great entertainment tonight. You know, I know you'll be sitting on the couch at seven o'clock and watching the pregame show and getting geared up. And so will I. It's still NFL football. Okay, maybe not seven o'clock. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I look. I, yeah. I. Okay, fine. I, I don't watch. All right. The so you're. Should you're I? Tuning, am I supposed to watch the pregame well, show? No, you're not. But I don't know. I mean, I just. I. I can't help it. I tune in anything football when I get a chance there, so I watch it and. You know, at least it just gets me juiced up for the game a little bit and and kind of sets the table. I, I, I get into a. I get into a. I get into a time crunch, and ideally, I would watch the pregame show, but I. It's, you know, I got to get my workout in. I got to go pick up, you know, whatever my son and I, and if he's going to have a couple friends over, got to go get some food. Like, it's All a lot right, of so stuff you're still running do. some errands so there. I, I got you. If I get to the barn by 8 o'clock, that's the goal. Get there by 8. Got 15 minutes before kickoff. And, uh, yeah. Well, so. yeah, but did your anyway, point with the early season thing is, is, is it is real in the fact that, okay, one, it's tough early season because you feel like, hey, we're just getting into football shape here, and all of a sudden we're in a short week. But the positive is what you said, and, and that does go on. You know, like I could specifically say I was at a football camp in, let's see, it was, I guess, July, and there was some giant coaches there, and they told me that they had spent 
you know, some time on Shanahan. They were one of these coaches that I was just kind of telling you about. Oh, man, we were breaking down the Niners and, you know, your buddy Shanahan last week, right? So there is, you know, when you have that early season uh, Thursday night game, you're right. Most teams are going to find a week at the end of June or early June or early July to kind of go, hey, let's spend, you know, a day or two uh, just preparing for, for this short week game so we got a little stuff in a file so we can kind of just hit the ground running when the game's over and we're done with Arizona and, okay, hey, we got some stuff, you know, laid down as far as the, the, the groundwork there and they go from there. Those are the advantages, um, but it's still tough. And I hope the NFL can find a good formula like we're talking about. I think it would be better for, for all of us, the players, the coaches, the TV audience and all that, and hopefully that happens one day. By the way, a point that's irrelevant to everyone in the world except me right now. My stomach is growling because it got me thinking about being down in the barn for tonight's game and what I'm going to get. And I have developed an intense and relentless craving for chicken wings. I never eat them except during football season. (laughs) And once I rediscover them, that's all I want to eat. Like if I had a plate of them right now for breakfast, I would eat them. We had them at the game Monday night. They were awesome. We had them last Thursday night from a local place that does like a Parmesan garlic dry rub. They were awesome. And I am getting them again tonight. Sounds like you got a Just case so of know. the munchies. Nobody cares. I <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No, you sure that, about that? Has, that? That was a very do with it. That was a very is, odd no, no, no and no, laughing. No, and okay, no. all right. I don't know. No. Damn. Let's move along. That was the first time ever. I was like, "What? Huh? Let's, oh? Huh? Yeah. Let's move it along. All right. Let's move it along. Let's, okay. Let's talk so, Giants tonight. offense, 49ers defense. <laughs> all right, Giants offense, 49ers defense. Bad news for the Giants, as expected. Saquon Barkley out. Although Brian Dayball, the head coach, was trying to create the impression they were going to take it all the way up to the 90 minutes before kickoff before they made Saquon Barkley inactive. He is ruled out. Andrew Thomas, left tackle, is out. There's the rest of the information as relates to who won't play. Wandale Robinson expected to make his debut. Knee injury will be likely able to go tonight. Hey, without Thomas and without Barkley, that that changes everything. I mean, the Giants have not been impressive with Barkley. You take Barkley out of the mix against the 49ers. I mean, that's the one thing that gets lost in the the comments of Kyle Shanahan about how hard it is to prepare. The process is a little easier when you got a great team. Yeah. And this Giants team is going against a great team. They've already seen a great team in the Cowboys and what happened. Now they got another great team in the 49ers, and they don't have Saquon Barkley, and they don't have Andrew Thomas, and – even though it's football and it's on TV and it's early in the season and we're going to watch it, it feels like an uphill climb for that Giants offense against the 49ers defense. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, gosh, if they play the week the way they did week one, it'll be the same outcome. If they play the way they did in the first half last week against the Arizona Cardinals, they won't be able to come back against this team. It'll be over at halftime. It'll be, see you later. You know, There's not going to be a 21-point comeback against the 49ers, not from this Giants football team. And you're right, like the Saquon Barkley, hey, we know he's special. He can go above and beyond, you know, making plays out of, you know, in the run game or just the quick passes out of the backfield. That's one of his greatest values right now because why? They don't protect all that well. And, and, and honestly, the Barkley thing, of course, bothers me as a Giants fan 
But, like, Andrew Thomas and then not having their starting, what was he, the left guard, Bredesen, and not having either one of them against this group, you know, like you're saying, this group is this is special. It's an, it's an all-star D-line. Bosa, Armstead, and Javon Hargrave? I mean, are you kidding me? That, so that's where I worry about it. And the Giants, they did turn the corner a little bit last week in the second half of the, uh, the, the Arizona game, just as far as they changed their approach a little bit, right? Last year, we know it was run. It was, you know, read option, Daniel Jones, a quarterback design run, play action, five or eight or 10-yard throw over the middle. But what we've seen in the first two weeks is everybody is playing for that. Everybody's playing for the, you know, intermediate passes. And this is what changed right here. This was the 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 third quarter. The Giants finally came out and said, all right, we, we can't live in this five and eight yard world anymore. We got to open up the field. Arizona was just playing downhill and all over everything. And then all of a sudden they just said, okay, we're going to just try to, we're going to have to trust our protection a little bit. And, and and see if we cannot and we can't stretch the field and then open up the rest of our offense and that was the big thing to me Mike when I watched back this game on film a little bit was just that yeah they they sent Jalen Hyatt deep down the field Darius Slayton Waller so they got a little more aggressive and then that opened up the rest of their offense to which they want to run on a consistent basis but that'll be the question tonight can they do that you know, again, if they're going to live in that five to eight to ten yard, we're going to run, we're going to throw over the middle, and five, they're not going to be able to. The, the 49ers are, you know them, they're a bunch of cra- crazy SOBs. They're going to be all over that stuff. You got to do something that's going to scare them and back them off, like we saw with Mahomes and the Netflix thing, right? What he said, damn, if they're going to play me like that, whoa, I'm going to go deep on them. I, I mean, I, they're, they're, they're taking away the 10 and 12 yard throw. Whoa, that's what the Niners do. They kind of call your bluff in that department. So we'll see. But that will be one of the things to look for in the game early on is if the Giants can protect a little bit, those receivers on the outside, they can run. And the 49ers secondary is not special as far as the corner position to where that can maybe give them a fighting chance. But that's what we got to see if they can protect Daniel Jones to actually make that happen. You mentioned the injury to Ben Bredesen, the guard. I mean, the left tackle gets more of the attention because that's the sexier position. Yeah. But yeah. if you've got problems with your interior offensive line, you got a problem with the 49ers. I thought of you last week. There was a transcript from a Steve Wilkes press conference. He's the team's defensive coordinator. And he started talking about what Eric Armstead does to disrupt and collapse the pocket and make it easier for the guys on the outside, like Drake Jackson and Nick Bosa, to get right. to the quarterback. And they asked him, do you have a stat for that? He said, no, it's just what we call factor grade. And I said, yes, it's what Chris Sims calls F the play up. Because that's up. exactly what he's talking about. Exactly. Eric Armstead doesn't end up on the stat sheet, but Eric Armstead is creating so much havoc in the middle of the line that it lays the foundation for the guys on the outside to take advantage of it. Exactly. So if you're impaired in the middle of your offensive line against the 49ers, you got a problem with Eric Armstead, which is going to create problems from the guys on the outside. That's right. And they got, they got two of those guys in the middle. They do. And, 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 and they, they F the play up a lot. And, and yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's the, their ability to push the pocket. And then Armstead's such a giant that – you know, he puts his hands up in the air, and it, it closes off a quarter of the field for the quarterback because you can't see around him. It's like a big pillar in the way, 
Like, what? What is that? I can't. So you can't throw over him. Like Takeo spikes at a Bills game. Right, yeah, right. Exactly right. Right. There's there's an obstruction of view there for sure. And <laughs> and then, of course, yeah, you got to pick your poison a little bit because it's like, wait, we'd want to help this guy out, but now we're going to leave this guy singled. And, and, and that's where the 49ers pose a lot of problems and Steve Wilkes and you know, they're, they're a little more multiple in their defense than they have been in years past. They're a little more creative. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out tonight. The Giants certainly are going to be climbing, you know, or, or an uphill battle here. They're going to have to play their best football to try to pull off an upset, upset on the road against the 49ers. And that's just one side of the ball when we flip it over. The San Francisco 49ers offense Tied for third in points scored, third in rushing yards, seventh in total yards. They have just one giveaway on the year. And the Giants are the only defense without a sack this season, and they have zero takeaways. So, I mean, this is a 49ers team that is superior on both sides of the ball to the New York Giants, Chris. Yeah, they, they, there's no question. I, I, you know, the 49ers are, as we knew, are one of the best teams in football. And there's really not a lot of weaknesses with, with, with their roster. And, then of course, their coaching on top of that. Offensively, they look as good as they've ever looked, in, in my opinion. You know, last week, like, Purdy didn't play his best. He played good. He, he missed two or three plays down the field where you'd go, man, Brock Purdy, you'd like him to hit that. And you'd go, this game would have been a little different and a little more comfortable for the 49ers, for sure. Uh, but I, it's, it's, they can do whatever they want. That, that's what's scary about the 49ers. They can just play smash-mouth football and say, deal with that. But they don't just rely on that. As we know, they, you know Shanahan coaches them like he's got a bunch of like B-minus players. Like, oh, i got to find some advantages for them. Except he's got all-stars. And Samuel and Ayuk, we'll see if he can play tonight. I know he's questionable. But, you know, Debo Samuel and McCaffrey and Kittle, uh, they, they look phenomenal. All of them do. Uh, and then, of course, Brock Purdy in two games has looked damn good. So that's where it's going to be an uphill battle. And then, you know, the, 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 the Giants, the one thing they got is they got some big people in the middle. But, yeah, the pass rush is concerning. You know, we, we haven't even – Kayvon Thibodeau has been a non-factor. And Wink Martindale – you know, he likes to blitz and pre pressure and do all that. And to do all that and not have any sacks is a little concerning. Teams are prepared for it right now. They know what to expect from the Giants on that side of the ball. So he better throw some curveballs at Shanahan tonight because if he comes out and this Giants defense kind of does what they're known to do, Shanahan's going to be all over it and ready to go, and he'll gash them. Now, Wink is usually a pretty good at, like, uh, you know, I zig, I zig, I zig, and then, okay, it's time for a zag. Well, let's see what he does tonight, certainly, because they're not as talented. They're young in the secondary at the corner positions, and and we know they're, they're playing a damn good football team. So it's going to take a special performance on that side of the ball and really probably going to need a little luck, too. They're going to need the 49ers to, to, you know, pee down their leg every now and then, maybe drop a ball, fumble a ball, do something like that if they're going to pull off the upset. If the game's played clean on both sides of the ball, the 49ers are going to win the game. That's for sure. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey. He had some comments earlier this week about not being troubled by his heavy workload. He was on the field every snap week two offensively, most of the snaps week one. He had 23 touches against the Rams and 25 touches against the Steelers. 
And this is all coming at a time when we have this ongoing debate about running back value, and we've seen a lot of running backs get injured already. We talked about Barkley. He won't play because of the ankle injury. Nick Chubb out for the season after taking the low hit. We talked about that the other day. And I mention this now for one very important reason. I still am pissed at myself for not writing anything at PFT about the looming Patrick Mahomes contract because I knew it was coming. But somebody reminded me, I mentioned it last week on the show. So I'm going to mention something here. And this isn't firm. This isn't a tip. This is just a keep your eyes open for the possibility of Christian McCaffrey trying to get a little something extra for his trouble, especially now that he's being used so heavily this year. You got to be creative. You got to be aggressive. You got to be persistent to get paid as a running back. Because as we saw Monday night, Chris, in one blink of an eye, yep, it's done. Career could be over. Season done. Yep. Maybe career done. Right. And you got a guy who is one of the most important pieces of a Super Bowl contender. Short list. Two teams right now, maybe three in the NFC that you can call true Super Bowl contenders. 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles. And this guy is hugely important to the team. And it's not like he can walk out. And I'm not saying he would. I'm just saying you can ask for more anytime you want. And given the way they're using him so far this season, I just wouldn't be surprised if Christian McCaffrey asked for more. And if he did, we would fully support him. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm always in favor of that. Now, he is king of the market by the uh, uh, like a lot, right, Mike? I mean, he's 15. Well, 16, 16 was the contract that he signed with the Panthers. But what was inherited by the 49ers, they view that as 12. So gotcha because the bulk of the money was already given to him by the Panthers. So when they traded for him, they're looking at a, because that was one of the impediments last year. Potentially it's like, who's going to trade for a guy that's due to make 36 million over the next three years at the running back position. Who's going to do that. And it was a surprise. The 49ers did it because Kyle Shanahan is the son of, of one of the men who helped everyone realize you don't need one workhorse running back. Yeah. You can just spin them around. Terrell Davis is injured. All right. Put in Orlando's Gary. Oh, Orlando's Gary. I'll put in Mike Anderson. It's the system that creates the great running back. And it was surprising. The 49ers did it, but they did it and they've used him and they benefited. And he's at 12. And I think in his mind, he's at 12 and just, yeah, uh, I got you. See how, well, uh, you know, to your point there too, one, one of your to your point too, and what's scary for the rest of the NFL is the 49ers have more cap space than any other team in football, so they could definitely afford to throw a little bit more on there. And what's scary is what's going to lead to next year and everything. Right? Didn't Lynch say they're going to roll it over to next year? So damn, this team that's <laughs> as good as it gets. They may, yeah, 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 they may change their plans when Christian uh, shows up with the bowl of gruel and says, "Please, sir, may I have some more?" Well, what, what's cool that what Shanahan did with the McCaffrey thing, right? It, 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 he realized, wait, I'm great in the run game, so why don't I just go like pressure in the run game, just like a McDaniel did down in Miami, and went, "Wait, I'm going to just be so elite in this one area." that it's going to make you have to play us differently because we're so good that way. Or what the Chiefs have done, you know, it, 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 to some capacity. And we're seeing teams around football do it. Make one area so elite that you make a team change the way they have to play you really on both sides of the ball. And I think that's – and we haven't seen anybody do that in the run game yet. 
But I think Shanahan maybe looked at it like, wait, maybe I should go to Terrell Davis-ish type run game here instead of by committee and go that way. And it's, it's different than the rest of the NFL. And again, that's what makes him special too. He's, he's, is, is he the only team that, you know, that's what's funny about them and the Eagles are based on their running game, just like we saw last Thursday night. I mean, uh, the Eagles need a big drive. They run the ball every play. They just every play, boom, right down your throat, right down your throat, right down your throat. That's where they're different than the rest of the league where everybody's trying to throw and screen and pick play and let's throw it all the time. Uh, so they have a little bit of a schematical advantage and in, in their style of football play that way. But, but I will say to your point too a little, they need to be careful. Don't overwork McCaffrey here early in the year. He's had a lot of touches through the first two weeks. You know, and, and if I was going to talk to my buddy Kyle Shanahan, I'd say, hey, maybe just take a little off of him every now and then. Let's keep the big picture at play here and, and not wear this guy out and, and put him in harm's way to such a capacity here that it can hurt your football team going forward. Elijah Mitchell was in uniform on Sunday and didn't, didn't get a touch, get right? Game for a single snap. Oh, not even didn't a snap. even get in the wow. game. Wow! Didn't cross the sideline. He was one of like a small handful of guys who didn't play. Usually, it's just like you know the quarterback and one other guy. Right. Elijah Mitchell, one of the four or five guys who didn't play at all in that game. We're gonna take a break. When we return, now Kyle Shanahan referred to the preparation for Thursday Night Football as a something show. The Bears are officially the NFL's franchise that is a something show. We're going to break down everything that's going on at Hallis Hall when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 